Greetings, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today joining me on Satiate, the Boulder Nutrition Podcast. I'm Sue Van Rays, your host, functional nutritionist, food psychology specialist, and founder of Boulder Nutrition. I also lead women's wellness and yoga retreats, both locally and internationally. You can find out more about me at bouldernutrition.com. My inspiration with Satiate is to offer you functional nutrition, food psychology, and well being insights, to share with you case studies and stories that can act as salve for your soul, to share with you some of my most favorite special guests and experts from all over the country and to offer you an opportunity to satiate your body, mind, heart, and soul. If you love this podcast, I would be so grateful to have you head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. That will help me get the podcast out into the world to the listeners who need it most. So onward with today's episode. It's been a little while since I've done a solo episode here on the podcast. And if you're a subscriber of Satiate, you've probably noticed we've had quite an amazing run of special guests over the past many months. But I wanted to pop on here solo because as many of you know, I get inspired to share my own journey with you. I get inspired to share what's going on with me and how the learning curve that I'm experiencing could possibly serve others. So today we're going to talk about how to get from hamster wheel to magic carpet and why we would even want to. You know, it's an interesting time in the world where things have just gotten so intense, as many of you know. And our time is one of those commodities that for many of us has become just so precious as we navigate the pandemic and all that's going on in the world. Many of us are stuck home more. Many of us are still online schooling our children and time is of the essence. How we manage our time, how we relate to our time, and how we move through our days is just so impactful. And also what I want to say about that is there is this quality of patterns. And one phrase that we often say, old patterns die hard. And I've really noticed that in myself this past year. So This past summer, my youngest son moved out of the house, my youngest of two, and I was able to then combine houses with my long-term partner. We had been living separately for just about six years, five and a half years, um, and going back and forth and working with, you know, all the various needs of our kids, one town apart. And my youngest son, Ari, moved out in August, so I relocated to Longmont, Colorado, with the idea that this new phase of my life would be 
significant. I single parented my kids for 20 years and you know there was a lot of push a lot of intensity and a lot of get the job done put the food on the table run the business and still maintain a semblance of good parenting and uh, an environment in the house that felt good to be in That said, that was a lot of work. And some days when I reflect back on all I was holding in those early years, I am floored that I survived. Um, And also, I feel resilient. I feel strong. I feel like when many of us are presented with challenging times or situations that require us to step up, that we can. We often don't even realize how strong we are. But what's been interesting lately is I started off the fall with this idea that I was going to have more space. And it's so interesting to see how patterns show up. Just the other night, Jason said to me, you could chill a little bit. You could slow down a little bit. And he was seeing me working really hard, helping my kids. Both of them are enrolling in school for the fall, college, and so it's been busy parenting. It's been busy with business. I've been taking on a lot more projects. And I was perpetuating this pattern in myself that is just always on the go. And it made me start to think, first of all, we have a choice. Second of all, I've been doing this since I think I came out of the womb. I was always a busybody. I was always on the go. All through my childhood, I was a competitive gymnast. I had 20 plus hours of training a week from the time I was age seven all the way through college. Uh, I was academic. I had very high standards for my competitive nature in my sport. Um... I had a lot of drive and determination. In fact, my parents were always trying to convince me to take training days off my schedule, and I would refuse, profusely cry at the idea of missing a workout or a training session. And, you know, it's interesting when you start to see the continuity of these patterns as they play out in our adult lives. For me, when I was single parenting, I remember a therapist telling me um, that I had trained my whole life for this. And it took me a minute to understand what she meant. But really, I had. I had been busy juggling so many things all the way through my childhood. And I just kept doing it into my adult life, especially choosing to be an entrepreneur. However, single parenting landed on my lap and two very busy and energetic boys that I was raising. And so I can see how deep in my cells there is this pattern to keep on moving and keep filling up time. So I am sharing today's episode with you for both the inspiration I have around the benefits of slowing down, and the benefits of being in the flow of life, 
but also because I'm holding myself accountable to all of you. Because this is not easy for me either. Even though I have so many practices in place to support my slowing down. I come from a long line of people pleasers, like many of you, all the way through at least the last three generations of women in my family, and I'm sure beyond that. I was taught to put myself last, take care of everyone else first, and of course do it with a smile on my face. And while I've worked on that for many, many years, if I'm not paying attention, it absolutely creeps back in. And when I say people-pleasing, maybe we could also substitute that word for overextending. Because there are many people in my life that I consider a priority and that I absolutely want to show up for 100%. But what I've noticed is I have the tendency to overextend if I'm not paying attention. If I'm not pausing enough to ask myself the question, does this serve me? Is this something that I want to prioritize? And while a lot of us are busy, there's also a lot of us making the excuse that we're busy, myself included. And what I want to challenge us to do today is to actually, rather than complain or use the word busyness as an excuse, or even use the word busyness at all, let's talk more about where our priorities land. And when we're super clear about those aspects of our life, we are so much more able to decide on what we want to take on and what we want to pass on. Many of us have been pushing through, overriding, trying to get a ton done, not slowing down, feeling exhausted, and maybe even having rushed through things which don't even produce quality results. I know I'm guilty of that. If I am multitasking too much, if I am rushing too much, if I am overextended, I don't produce high quality results. I, I think I just skim over the surface and try to check off my to-do list. Many years ago, I, after going on one of my Bali retreats, I came back with this fresh vision of how I wanted to step into the flow in my business and in my life, how I wanted to approach my business and my life through the lens of the sacred feminine, how I wanted to bring more aspects of feeling, flowing, inspiration, creativity, and self-love into everything I did. And, you know, I really, really practice this diligently. And it's not easy when we are faced with our old patterns. But I made a lot of progress. The sense that we don't have enough time is a big issue for our culture. It is also known as time urgency. For example, the London Business School professor Richard Jolly, he notes that about 95% of the managers that he studied over for over 10 years in his research have experienced or do experience time urgency on a daily basis. According to another study done in 2013, 
Time urgency involves an overwhelming and continual sense of urgency in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and faster to then get flustered and overwhelmed when encountering a delay. We know that stress impacts our hormones, specifically adrenaline and cortisol, in a way which can have pretty negative long-term effects on our health. So I wanted to bring this up in the podcast today because I think it's a really important conversation and a really important inquiry that we can each make into our own lives. Are we living in a perpetual state of the hamster wheel? Or are we able to hop onto that magic carpet, follow the flow, follow the inspiration, follow the creativity, and even just shift a little bit how we're doing something rather than what it is we're doing? How are you driving your car? How are you enjoying your food? How are you unwinding at the end of the day? How are you sleeping? When we start to look at all these different aspects, and the reason I bring up driving and eating is because it's two activities that we all most often participate in. I guess not everybody drives, but most people drive, most people eat. (laughs) And what I've noticed is on a given day, if I'm not paying attention, how I'm driving might be in a rush for no apparent reason. I'm not late. There's no need to stress or clench or grip the wheel of the car. And yet here we are, here I am, driving down Broadway in Boulder, Colorado, as if there's, you know, I'm I'm an emergency vehicle. So I've been catching myself in these moments and asking myself, okay, do you have to drive fast? Do you have to eat fast? Do you have to crash at the end of the day into bed after feeling like you've pushed yourself so far that you haven't given yourself enough downtime. And for me, the answer is no, I don't have to do those things. Now, I know that many of you might be listening to this saying to yourself, well, my situation is different because I have my kids are home during the pandemic, or I don't have any support, or I'm starting a new business that requires all of my attention, or I'm at a really busy time helping people in my family right now. And I just want to say that I totally and completely hear you. What I'm asking us to do together is examine, inquire, witness, and observe how we're doing things. So today I put together a few of my favorite ways to adjust how we do something so that each of us can find our own magic carpet and trust the flow to be able to soften a little bit, presence ourselves a little bit, breathe more, create more space in our lives, create more downtime and rest, and to also feel good about doing it. To drop the guilt, to drop the shame, to drop the overproductivity, to drop that feeling that our worthiness 
is connected to our productivity and our to-do lists and to step into a place of freedom around time. Now, I just want to remind you that I've been working on this for many years and recently it just crept back in. So this is not a one and done check off your list approach. This is a long-term a long-term practice. This is a long-term inquiry with ourselves. And the more we can become the witness in our lives, the more we can see when it starts to come back and run the show. All right, so here are some things I have found to be so valuable in my own life. Number one is getting super clear on our priorities. What are you focused on? What do you want to be prioritizing in your life? If you can think of three to five aspects that are at the top of your priority list, and then as you are teased into projects and as you take on new experiences, as you say yes to things, you can really use your priorities to compare against what it is you are actually doing. I call this aligned action. And it's something I teach a lot on retreats. It's something that I practice in my own life all the time. How is this action supporting my priorities, supporting my goals? So that's step one. And just by simply writing them down, maybe writing a little description about each one, and just kind of outlining what it is you're focused on these days and what do you want your priorities to be. It's up to you. The second one is time blocking. And many of you have heard the term time blocking, I'm sure. But I want to just give you a slightly different spin on it today. So this version of time blocking is really taking a good look at your various cycles. So we've got our circadian rhythm, our daily cycles. We've got our weekly cycles. We've got our monthly cycles. And we've got our yearly cycles. And within that, we can start to time block in a way that supports what our bodies want and supports what our environment is expressing all around us. For example, what nature is doing to provide that structure. When we time block this way, it really matches up with our own inner rhythm and the pulse, the expansion and contraction that is natural within our schedules. So just to give you a couple examples with your daily circadian rhythm, what is a good time of the day for you to pause, to slow down, to take inventory? For me, I do that first thing in the morning I like to have a little bit of a slow morning now that my kids are older and I can make that work in my schedule. So I do my meditation, my journaling, I get really clear on my day and I get really touched in with myself. And then at the end of the day, I do a similar practice of slowing down in the evening, sometimes taking a hot bath, reading, doing some gratitude practice, and just giving myself the space that my routine and body and rhythm really loves. 
As far as my weekly schedule, you know, there's days of the week where I'm much busier than others, and I really try to carve out at least one day a week where I have a big chunk of totally spacious free time. And for me, that's usually on the weekend. My monthly routine or my monthly rhythm is really connected to the moon cycle and to my hormonal cycle. So there's a couple things I just want to tell you about the monthly rhythm of the feminine and the monthly rhythm of nature. And it's a really beautiful thing when we can touch in with this and really find our own way of expressing. So the follicular phase, the waxing moon, or what's often known as renewal time of our month, is when we're most likely to want to set intentions, when we're most likely to want to vision for ourselves, brainstorm new projects, and begin new ideas. A lot of this work I have studied through my friend Kate Northrup, who really looks at the different aspects of each of the phases of our monthly cycle and overlays that on what we're going to be good at, what we're going to be most effective doing at these different times. The ovulation phase of our, of our month or our full moon is when we're going to have the most expansive, adventurous, playful, and magnetic time of the month. So that's a great time to schedule new things, social activities, a time to be more um, free and enjoying your playful side. The luteal phase or the waning moon is when our energy begins to start turning inward and we really like moving towards completion. So you can begin to you know, work with completing tasks that help you organize your life. And you can also look at this time as like this gentle pulling in. And then the last of these four sections of the month is really the menstrual phase or the new moon. And this is such a great time for deep rest, inward focused and reflection. And when we're really in tune with our most intuitive self, so that's the monthly overview. And of course, we all have variations within that. Some of you may prefer to follow your menstrual cycle. Some of you may prefer to follow the moon cycle. And in some cases, they overlay perfectly upon one another. The most important thing is that we listen to the rhythm of our bodies. And that helps us to get into our true flow, our true nature and meet ourselves right where we are rather than fighting against ourselves. So for me, scheduling quiet space right around my cycle is so imperative, as well as taking some deep reflective time during the new moon. And then lastly, the seasonal cycles of nature. What time of year do you want to expand and it really, you know, find that beautiful revealing of your playful side and what time of the year do you want to pull inward and reflect? And it seems quite obvious when we look at nature that we've got the sun bright in the sky in the peak of summer and that we've got dark days and dark nights in the winter and often for many of us, a colder temperature outside. And so for me, my, my downtime is heightened during the winter months, especially around the solstice, 
the new year and then my January birthday where the darkest nights are right there. And we can really use them to dig deep and go inward and find our kind of the jewels of ourselves in the darkness and to find the inner light and to pause and really touch in with what it is that we are needing, wanting, and doing to ultimately take extra good care of our rest and rejuvenation. There's also a way that you can start to create a routine or a rhythm around when you take breaks from work, when you take vacations, when you take retreats. A lot of the women that come on our local and international retreats are on like a flow that every January they join us or every September they join us. And that really helps to cultivate a, a yearly rhythm for yourself as well. So you've got your circadian rhythm, your weekly rhythm, your monthly rhythm, and your yearly seasonal rhythm. And really tuning into these for yourself has so much power and creates so much ease in your life. And then the third one is looking at how you do things rather than what it is you're doing. We talked a little bit about this. How are you doing things? Some days if I'm feeling a little tired or I'm on my cycle or I didn't sleep that well the night before, I might actually tell myself like, you can really take it slow through your day still getting your work done, still being productive, but bringing a different energy to to the table, bringing a different energy to my office, to my computer, to my kids, to my family, to my life. Once again, I think it's really interesting to look at how are you eating? How are you driving? How much multitasking are you doing? Can you savor the moments? Can you bring more pleasure into the moments? Can you breathe more? Can you enjoy the drive? Maybe take a different route. Yesterday, I drove home from one of my kids' houses the long way through the mountains. It took an hour, maybe five or 10 more minutes than I would have taken me had I gone through town. But it was so expansive and beautiful. And I put on some really good music and there was lots of beautiful views of the Rocky Mountains and I had such a relaxing drive home. It's all about how we're doing it, not just what we're doing. The next one that I've been working with a lot is practice saying no. (laughs) That was something I was surely not good at for most of my life. But now I'm finding some really beautiful power in myself when I say no. Um saying no to things that don't align with my schedule, saying no to things that are overextending me, saying no to things that do not match my priorities, saying no to things that might eat up a lot of my time. And really what I've been looking for with a lot of different opportunities that I get through my business and different collaborations I get through my business, different opportunities I have to take on new projects, if it's not an automatic like 100% yes, it's a no. And that's a hard one for me because I'm a yes person for the most part, but I really have been consolidating and really, really deeply asking myself, where can I say no? 
And the last one that I want to share, and some of you may have heard this from a famous quote, actually, that I'll share with you in just a minute. Be willing to disappoint others before you disappoint yourself. So the quote comes from Glennon Doyle and her recent book, Untamed, which is one of my favorite books of my entire adult life, actually. And her quote goes like this. Every time you are given a choice between disappointing someone else and disappointing yourself, your duty is to disappoint that someone else. Your job throughout your entire life is to disappoint as many people as it takes for you to, disapp- to avoid disappointing yourself. And wow, if I would have read that in my 20s, I think I would have thought she was crazy. But here I am, the last year of my 40s, and this is music to my ears. This is music to my ears. So getting off the hamster wheel and getting onto your magic carpet is a beautiful opportunity for you to practice looking at your priorities, for you to match your schedule with your priorities, your daily, your weekly, your monthly, your yearly schedule, including downtime and space for you. To inquire into how you do things rather than what you're doing, to practice saying no, even though you might be trained to only say yes or to most often say yes, and lastly, to be willing to disappoint others before you disappoint yourself. So I want to leave you with a few questions today. Questions for a little journaling prompt or a meditation or just something that you can sit with over the weekend and contemplate in your own life. Where can you take things off of your plate? Where can you take some things off of your plate? Where can you change how you're doing something in your day? Where can you change how you're doing something in your day? And this last one is juicy. I've had some really interesting conversations with clients about this lately, and you would be surprised at some of the answers that people share. What are you most afraid of if you slow down? What are you most afraid of if you slow down? Don't be afraid to like really go there, to dig into that one, because we are conditioned through culture, family, parents, society, every aspect of life to find our worthiness connected to our busyness, to override how we feel. So busyness can often help us to avoid feeling and to just follow this perpetual hamster wheel that tells us we have to keep on going. So today, as I record this podcast, I'm sitting at my desk. I am really trying to practice what I'm talking about here. I'm giving myself ample space. I just had a lovely lunch on my back deck with my dog. Ate slowly 
I'm approaching my work with an attitude of spaciousness and faith and flow and creativity. And I feel so much more in balance when my days look like this. I feel so much more at peace with myself when my days look like this. So I hope you enjoy today's episode and I hope that you uncover some of the more intricate aspects of yourself through these different practices that you can apply to find your own magic carpet and through some of the questions I left you with that you can take your time in answering for yourself. I'd love to hear if you have some insights or something to share after working with the practices in this episode. I'd love to hear how things are going and unfolding for you. You can always drop me a line or post a comment below the podcast and I can't wait to hear how things unfold for you and for all of us. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode of Satiate. Sending you my wholehearted wish for your health and happiness. And I will see you back here very soon.